Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Westside Foursquare Church. Uh, I'm excited about the word I have today. God keeps giving me new installments of our um, series of Jesus and the games that the world plays. And today we're going to continue that series with Jesus and the superiority game. But let's start uh, with prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been sent to lead us into all truth. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be involved in what we're about to do, that you would open our minds to see, open our hearts to understand and to embrace. God, let us have humble attitudes so that we can be teachable, that we can learn your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, this week, I want to talk about Jesus in the superiority game. And I want to start out with the scripture in Matthew 20, starting in verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20. It says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, this is James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? He said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. Verse 24, and when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. You know, this is uh, what would be referred to as the modus operandi of the world. This is their standard operating procedure. And that is that one human being is going to try and exert authority over people around them. In fact, the world has embraced the idea that that is one of the ultimate goals of life, is that you can have power and authority over the people around you, and that you can lift yourself up as more important or having more uh, ability than someone else. And you know what? This hasn't changed over time. In, in the, in, if you study ancient Rome, they were consumed with exalting themselves. They were consumed with making people notice. Each person wanted everybody else to notice their achievements. In fact, if you study history, you'll realize that the concept that humility and meekness and service are, are good things, that really comes from the teachings of Jesus. Because the world, the ancient world at that time was consumed with exalting yourself and making yourself look good at the expense of others. And the truth is that that really hasn't changed. Now we will give lip service to the concept that, you know, people who serve and people who are humble, that these are good things, but really the way the world operates doesn't follow that at all. The way the world operates is that your goal in life is to have power and authority over other people. And it doesn't just happen. You know, we can look at extreme cases like uh, Nazi Germany 
or uh, communist Russia or even communist China or North Korea right now, where people are exerting their will over other people and subjugating their populations to their desires and their control. But you know what? It doesn't just happen in places like that. It happens all around us. How many of you guys have ever been the victim of bullying when you were in school? I know I was. I was the victim of bullying when I was in school. But you know what? You find as you grow that people attempting to bully doesn't end when elementary school is over. People attempting to bully and people trying to be bullies and control others to make themselves feel better about themselves doesn't end when middle school is over. Guess what? It doesn't end when high school is over. Or when college is over, you get out into the workplace and you will find people who are trying to exert their will over other people and control other people and bully them to make themselves feel better. And I you know what? no idea this had escaped any school. Yeah, bullying is everywhere because it is that inner desire to control other people around you. In fact, what we saw recently with George Floyd, those police officers that were involved in his death were bullies. They were, particularly the police officer who was the cause of his death that murdered him, was exerting his power over this man. We see this in the world around us. But you know what? Here is one of the biggest tragedies. Because that is the standard operating procedure of the world, what happens is that the, the, the victims of bullying begin to work to gain control over other people. And one of the biggest tragedies in our society, and we see it over and over again, is when a victim of bullying becomes a bully. When a victim of bullying becomes a bully. We see this in some of the, of the riots that are taking place right now. There are amazing people out there right now who are standing up for the rights of every human being to be treated with respect. There are amazing people who are out there right now involved in protests saying something has to change. And they're absolutely right. But there are also people out there involved in the rioting who what they're doing is they're saying, well, I've been a victim for so long, now I have the right to victimize someone else. And that is the normal procedure in the world. That if I've been a victim, that gives me the right to victimize someone else. And you know what? We all fall into that trap. We all fall into the trap of trying to um, turn things around so that I'm in charge, so that I'm above someone else, so that I can control someone else, or I can put someone else down and people will listen to me. We all fall into the trap of trying in our brains and in our hearts to make ourselves superior to another human being or group of human beings. That's why we're talking about the superiority game. This is the standard operating procedure in the world 
that I will exert my influence, my power, my money, my whatever to make myself superior to other people. Okay? And we all fall into this. The problem is that this attitude of making myself superior to others is the foundation and the root of all prejudice. And it is never right. Prejudice is never right. So if I'm the victim of bullying or if I'm the victim of prejudice, if I turn around and I become prejudiced towards someone else, or I turn around and I exert my power to bully someone else, I'm just as wrong as the person who did it to me. Because it's always, always wrong to exert your influence or to exalt yourself as superior to another person or group of people. One of the ways that we fall into this is that we fall into judging people based on a stereotype. Now listen, stereotypes exist. The truth is, if stereotypes didn't exist, most stand-up comedy would not exist. Okay? Stereotypes exist for a reason, because when you have a group of similar people that have similar beliefs or similar cultural background or whatever, what's going to happen is there's going to rise to the top those similarities, okay? And really what a stereotype is, is a, a labeling of those similarities. And stereotypes exist. Stereotypes of and in and of themselves are not wrong. They are not evil. What is evil is when you strip an individual of their own personal worth and you stamp on them a value that is based on a stereotype. What's, when stereotypes become evil is when I stop looking at you as an individual human being with your own story to be told and instead I paint you with a broad brush of stereotype. And what happens is that what, that becomes a tool by which I begin to justify in my mind and heart that I am somehow superior to you. Because I no longer look at you as an individual, I just look at you as a stereotype. So it's not that there's anything in and of itself wrong with stereotypes. What's wrong is when I take away, I strip you of your value as an individual human being with your own story, and what I do is I stamp on you a value based on a stereotype. And I treat you, I... I look at you and I value you based on some kind of mask stereotype that in my mind and in my heart, I've decided that I am superior to you. And listen, this doesn't just happen with race. This doesn't just happen with race. In today's political and cultural climate, this happens all the time. Do you want to know something that I am disgusted by that I think is evil? I think it's evil all of the names and tags that we put on people for political purposes. We call people libs. We call them um, right-wingers. We call them trumpers. We call them snowflakes. 
what we do, listen, what we're doing when we do that is we are broad brushing that human being, an individual, unique human being with their own experiences, their own story, and their own inherent value. We broad brush it with a stereotype tag. And what we do is we justify our own sense of superiority to them by saying, well, you're not a human being. You're just a right winger. You're not a human being. You're just a liberal. You're not a human being. You're just whatever label we choose. And when we use that broad brush, there's only, guys, there's only one reason to broad brush people that way. And that is so that I can set myself up as superior to them. Because I'm not one of them. And guys, that is the root and the foundation of prejudice. And it is always always, always wrong. And I'm going to repeat something I said last week. As long as we continue to operate in that kind of prejudice, we will never defeat racism. We will never defeat sexism. We will never see every human being valued for who they are as long as we allow any kind of prejudice into our hearts and minds. Because prejudice breeds prejudice. And prejudice, in you pick any human being, and because every human being has a unique story, prejudice will rise up in them and it'll put on a new mask, but it's still prejudice. And guys, Jesus' followers in the kingdom of God, if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, there is zero, zero room for prejudice. There is zero room for broad-brushing other human beings with, broad, with uh, stereotypical tags and valuing them based on that. And one of the worst and most dangerous things is that when we yield to these prejudices, when we yield to this temptation to exalt myself in importance over other people and human beings, we play right into the hands of politicians and marketers. We play right into their hands. Do you know the most dangerous, because right now, the vast majority of politicians that are in power right now are in power and their power is held firm by dividing people. Unfortunately, that is what our culture and what our political landscape has descended into. Most of our politicians now secure and hold on to their power base by exacerbating that division, by broad brushing people. You know why? Because they stand up and they say, your way of life is in danger by those people, by that group of people. Your way of life is in danger from liberals. Your way of life is in danger from conservatives. And they broad brush those people, they make them an enemy, and what it does is it solidifies their power base. Rachel? It also inflicts anger because angry, angry people are easier to control. That is exactly what they are doing. 
Because what happens is if I stand up and get you to believe that your life is threatened, then you're going to start making choices out of your fight or flight response. And you're going to be afraid and you're going to be angry. And what happens is we actually give up our authority and our power to these politicians. We say, oh, you'll protect me from that group, that stereotypical group. You'll protect me from that enemy over there. Listen, as human beings, our forefathers, the ones who put together the Constitution, who were imperfect human beings, okay, but they drew out some principles of self-government and they put those principles on paper, And as we are maturing as a society, we are realizing more and more how to equally apply those principles of freedom. And those men and women that put together our nation have passed down to us a sacred trust. We carry a responsibility being citizens of the United States of America to stand for what is right. And when we give in to the fear and manipulation of these politicians, what we're doing is we are giving up our authority, giving up the responsibility and handing it to them and saying, you keep me safe from the enemy. You keep me safe from those people who are dangerous. Do you want to know the most dangerous thing to a politician right now? Citizens who think for themselves. Citizens who choose to look at each other as human beings with inherent value, that your story has value, and I am not superior in value to you because I see things differently than you do. And you're not in, you don't have superior value to me. And that is dangerous to politicians and it's dangerous to marketers. But the truth is, guys, that no politician is ever going to solve the prejudice problems in this nation because the prejudice problems in this nation are what are keeping them in power right now. We have to stand up. We have to rise up and say, I will no longer ignore prejudice. I will no longer look for ways to make myself superior to another human being. I will value them even when they disagree with me, especially when they disagree with me. I will put value on them as a human being with a story that deserves to be told. It really comes down to how we value another human being. How we value other human beings. And we're going to see right now, we're going to see what Jesus says about the value of other human beings. How do we establish their value? Remember, we talked about uh, Matthew 20, and we talked, we, I read down through where Jesus said that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Then if you read verse 26, he says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you 
must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, if you are going to follow my example, then you must choose to serve other people, to put value on them to such an extent that you are willing to serve them, to lift them up, to exalt them I'm a supervisor at work. I have people who answer to me. And so I'm constantly reading leadership articles and leadership books. Um, Pastor Joy is actually doing her master's degree program in educational leadership. So she's getting lots of training on leadership. And you know what I see over and over and over and over? It says that successful leaders never exalt themselves. They always exalt those that they're put in authority over. It's just a, it's a principle of life. And Jesus actually lived out this principle by becoming a servant for us. But instead of valuing people for their inherent value, what we do is we put value on them for their opinions. We value them based on what they think and what they say. And here's the truth. No two human beings will ever fully agree. Ever. No two human beings will ever be in 100% full agreement about anything. You know why? Because every human being has a story to tell. Every human being has their own set of experiences, their own set of um, life trials and tribulations and triumphs. And what that does is that produces in you a perspective. And none of us has complete omniscience. None of us knows everything. And so we're all going to come to different conclusions. And so you can have two people who, have the, who are very, very similar in what they believe, but if you get down to the nitty-gritty, you're going to find that they're different on different things. You want to know the good news? Jesus never said, they will know that you are my disciples because you absolutely 100% agree on everything. He never said that. No human being is ever going to stand before God someday and say, yes, I had it all figured out and I was right. Every one of us is going to stand before God and when God reveals the whole picture to us, every one of us will fall on our knees and say, just like Job did, I thought I knew what I was talking about, but now I clap my hands over my mouth. Because I had heard about God with my ear, but now I see him with my eyes. Every one of us will find that we've fallen short in our understanding. Because of that, we cannot value other human beings based on what they think or believe or their opinions. We cannot put, we cannot put a label on their value based on that. We have to value them 
the same way God does. In Ephesians 4, and this was in our Bible reading this morning, so I threw it into my, into my um, notes this morning. Guys, God is interested in us being in unity, not in uniformity. Jesus calls for us to be in unity, but not uniformity. Jesus doesn't expect us all to be exactly alike in what we believe and in our perspective. He does expect us to be in unity. And I'm going through this because this is the way that we put value on human beings the way Jesus did, not based on their beliefs or their accomplishments but based on their inherent value. In Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, Paul says to the Ephesians, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, did you hear that? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of... in the bond of peace. Guys, we're not unified in everything we believe. We are in unity in who we are following. That is the core issue for Jesus' followers. That we're not in unity in, or we're not unified and completely identical in what we believe, but we're in unity in who we are following. Paul actually completes that whole passage in verse 13 until he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's where we're going. We're in unity toward our destination. To the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So guys... We're going to be different. People are going to believe different than you. And you know what? I will always, the Bible says that love always hopes. I am always going to hope that an individual that I meet that doesn't know Jesus yet is on his journey to Jesus. Or she is on her journey to Jesus. And that's the way I'm going to treat them. But I understand, listen, if you have, when I was in the Navy, we would go out to sea and we would be with a battle group of ships. And for one reason or another, in order for each ship to accomplish its mission, it would have to go to a different place, okay? All the ships were in a different place. All the ships have a different perspective. All the ships have to navigate based on where they are But if the admiral calls them all together, he will establish one point and all of those ships will suddenly be in unity even though they're separated because they're all in unity of their goal. Their goal is to meet at that rendezvous. And we as human beings, every one of us is on a journey and every one of our journeys is valid. It is a valid journey. And you're in a different place on the journey than I am. And you're on a different place watching online than I am. But your value is the same, not because of where you are in the journey, 
Because the point is that we have unity. We're all headed toward the same rendezvous, which is pursuing Jesus. Okay? So how do we place value on individuals? Jesus did not say they will know you are my disciples because you all believe exactly the same way. What he said is, and this is in John 13, verse 35, actually start in verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Why do we value other, how do we value other human beings? What value do we put on them and on their journey? The same value that Jesus put on, on us and that Jesus puts on them. Jesus showed his love by becoming a servant. The way we avoid the game of supremacy and the game of, of exalting ourselves over other individuals is by choosing the way of Christ, and that is to love with humility and gentleness. The Bible tells us that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. We believe that Jesus died for every single sin of humanity. And in the end, it will not be Jesus who rejects people. It will be Jesus acknowledging that they have rejected him. And Jesus honoring human beings' choice to reject him. Jesus, when he was on the cross, took on himself the sin of the whole world because he loves every individual that much. So how dare I put any other value on you than the value of the blood of the Son of God? There is no other, there's no higher value. Human beings cannot achieve a higher level in the universe. They have all been purchased by the blood of the Son of God. And if you want to talk about supremacy, if you want to talk about a superiority and a superior human being, there is only one human being that was ever born superior to the rest of them. And that is Jesus. Jesus was born superior to every other human being. And what did he do with his superiority? He became a servant. He loved. He gave up his own life for you and for me. If that is true, if I believe that that is true, then how dare I? What kind of pride, what kind of hubris am I exhibiting when I exalt myself up and say that I have more value than you because you believe differently than me? Really? Can I stand before a holy God who sacrificed his own son out of love for human beings? 
by what right do I stand up before God and say, because I think differently, I'm better than that person? Really? Oh my gosh. That's a scary thought. Talk about pride. We have to value other human beings by the value that God placed on them, which is the value of the shed blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. I put out a call to Jesus' followers. I'm not talking about people who use the label Christian because lots of people use the label Christian and they're not. I put out a call to Jesus' followers. We have to, if we are going to honor Jesus at all, we have to stop broad brushing other human beings. We have to stop exalting ourselves as being superior to them because we think different. Listen, there are superior perspectives. There are superior understandings. There are no superior human beings other than Jesus Christ. And that human being, that other human being that thinks differently than I do, they can be 100% wrong in the way they think and they still have value. And we as Jesus followers, it is incumbent upon us. It is our responsibility. There is no gray area. We, if we are going to be like Jesus, we must value other human beings. And we must humble ourselves and treat them with the fruit of the Spirit. We have to. There's no other choice. There's no other option for us. If we are going to follow Jesus, Jesus said that we should be like him and that we shouldn't lord it over one another. Jesus shed his blood for that person. Jesus laid down his life for them. He loves them. He serves them even now as he's working in their lives to draw them to himself. How dare we do anything different because we are not superior to them and we are certainly not superior to Jesus. So how do we live our lives? And I'm going to end with this. Because God did make us competitive. We are competitive creatures. So how do we live our lives? Ernest Hemingway once said, There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. That's why God gave us a competitive streak. That's why God gave us a desire, a passion to increase and become more. Guys, life is not about winning or losing. Winning or losing is what happens between me and other people. Life is about succeeding. Life is about succeeding beyond where I am today to become a better person tomorrow not a superior person to anyone else. 
It's not about me winning or losing against other people. It's about me succeeding. It's about me growing. It's about me maturing me. Succeeding and being more like Jesus. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and what is, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's our goal? What's up? Where are we headed? What's the finish line? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember that we are not unified in everything that we see, think, and say. We are in unity in the goal that we are pursuing, which is to get closer to Jesus. And we're all running that race from our own original starting point. That's why you're going to think differently about some things than I do. That's okay. I can love you and we can all as followers of Jesus pursue the same goal, which is pursuing Christ, getting to be more like Jesus. And we never, ever, ever as followers of Jesus, we never, ever have justification for exalting ourselves as superior to any other human being. I remember a good friend of mine at work and we were in a conversation about uh, belief systems and things of that nature. And, and, and really the conversation was uh, me just asking him questions about his belief system and, and what were the foundational beliefs that he lived his life by. And it was not a Judeo-Christian belief system at all. And I just asked him questions and I didn't attack him. I just wanted to know more about him because you know what? He has a story and it's a valid story. There's a reason why he believes what he believes. And in the end, he looked at me and he said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, would your God tell me I'm wrong? And I looked at him and I said, you know what, man? I said, when it comes to that courtroom, when it comes to the courtroom of where God's the judge of what we believe or don't believe, I said, I am in the defense box with you. I said, I, nobody's going to get before God and have it all worked out. And I have no right to put myself in God's place and decide what he would say to you about what you believe. I said, you know what? Ask him what he would say. Ask him what he would say. I'm not going to put myself into a place of judgment over your belief system. If you want to know why I believe what I believe, and he never asked me what I believe, so I didn't tell him. If you want to know why I believe what I believe, I will gladly tell you my journey, my story, and why I believe what I believe. But I'm not going to put myself in a place of superiority over someone else or a place of judgment over someone else because you know what? I don't know their story. One of the things that I'm realizing through this whole process, that this whole conversation that we're having about racism is how ignorant I am of the story at large. There is a story happening in the lives of my fellow Americans that I am completely ignorant of. And it's not my fault. 
It's not because I've, I've tried to close my mind to it. It's just that because of my skin color, I haven't walked it. And I cannot put myself in judgment over other people because I don't know their story. What I can do is instead of broad brushing them, instead of pretending that I understand them, instead of setting them aside because they don't look like me or think like me or talk like me, what I can do is I can go to the individuals that are in my sphere and say, tell me your story, please. I want to know your story because I value you and I value your story. And then if you want to talk about the differences that we have in our beliefs or in our perspective, I'm happy to do that once we've established that you are an important, valuable human being, and so am I. Once we've established that, then we can set aside the question of value and we can talk about our stories and we can talk about our perspectives without tearing down the other person's value. Does that make sense? Guys, as Jesus followers in this world and the things that are going on today, we have got to take the stance that every human being is valuable. We have to. We have to lead the way because the truth is that people in the world are so stuck in the mindset of competition and, I'm, and who's better than whom that they can't lead that discussion. And politicians don't want to lead that discussion because it will erode their own power base. Politicians get voted by being problem solvers. So if a politician solves a problem, in their mind, it makes them less likely that they'll get voted into office again and they'll lose their power. We, Jesus followers, have to lead the way because Jesus showed us how to value other people intrinsically and how to serve with humility and gentleness. So God, I ask that you would open up the eyes, open up the hearts of your followers. Let us begin to see people the way that you see them. Not as a, a conglomeration of their choices or a conglomeration of their perspective or their viewpoints. You don't value them that way. You value them as precious creations of God for whom your son died. God, let us start from that place. We can discuss the superiority or inferiority of belief systems or uh, theology or perspective or any of that stuff, but only after we've set aside the idea of is this person valuable or not? Because the answer is always yes. They have unbelievable, immeasurable value because the blood of Jesus was shed for them. Once we've established that, then we can have coherent, respectful, responsible, and reasonable conversations about all the other stuff. Jesus, let us take on the same mindset that you had, that even though you were equal with God, you did not consider that something to be gripped and held onto, but you set it aside and took on the nature of a servant humbling yourself even to death on a cross for us. Let us have your mindset that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus, let us see people the way that you see them and value them with the value that you have placed on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're about to do um, communion here. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, the, the whole concept of communion, if you're unfamiliar with it, obviously you can look that up. Uh, I don't, don't want to go into all that right now. Um, but it's the, it's the tradition that Jesus gave us uh, following what Jesus told us to do, where we take bread and we take um, juice or wine and we remember what Jesus did for us. And it is called communion because it's supposed to be done with a body of believers. So I want to encourage you, if it's all possible, find a body of believers that you can get together with and do communion. If not, it is absolutely okay for you to do that in the privacy of your home, your own home, wherever you're at. It doesn't have to be grape juice. It doesn't have to be wine because the real issue is here. We live in New Mexico and we're going to do communion today with a tortilla, okay? Because really what matters is what happens in here that we remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that his body was broken for us, that his blood was poured out for us to reunite us and, and reconcile us to God. And so I want to encourage you to take part in that. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this encouraging, maybe a little challenging, please feel free to uh, leave a comment as long as, it is, as it's reasonable, respectful, and responsible. Um, feel free to share this. Feel free to follow our page. We would love to have you be a part of what we're doing here in the west side of Albuquerque. So thanks again for joining us. We believe in you and we believe in Jesus in you.